The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash billrisser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's www.adworks.com slash billrisser. I'm here to help people define and design their best self so that they can go out and attract ideal clients, that they can you know, build that life and business that they love, they can get that next career, they can you know, gain the courage and the confidence to start their own business. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Joining the Real Estate Sessions podcast lineup for episode 69 is none other than Deborah Trapin, CEO and owner of D11, a company designed to fire up your life, your team, or your company. She's also the author of Fire Up, Taking Your Life to 11, and we'll discuss this book in a little bit. We'll also talk about the number 11 quite a bit. Deborah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Bill. Great to be here. Now, I know you live in the Seattle area, uh, as well as a few other podcast guests have up in, in the great Pacific Northwest. Did you grow up in that area? Are you a native of Washington? I am not, actually. Hmm. I was born in Edina, near Bloomington, in Minnesota. And had my first six and a half, almost seven years in Minnesota. And then my dad, who is a hardware engineer, piled all of his family into a Valari station wagon. Nice. And yes, with the wood paneling and everything. It's like you're going and, to Wally uh, World. <laughs> seriously. Seriously, it was awesome. So he piled us all in the station wagon and drove us up to California, which is where I grew up. So we lived in Silicon Valley in the San Jose area for almost my entire school, grade school, high school, college, first career. Uh, lived a little bit in Southern California, like a lot of people do when they live in Silicon Valley. They go to LA for a while. And then in about 2002, well, about 2001, there was a huge crash in Silicon Valley, as we all know, and that's what brought me up here. So I've been in Seattle since 2002. Well, let's talk about um, your growing up then in the in the South Bay area uh, in Silicon Valley. Let's talk about what you wanted to do, what you were doing. So when you're in school, my my thought is, my guess is, you weren't really thinking about real estate as a career at that point. What what was Deborah going to be if you were finishing up college? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, what was Deborah going to be? I honestly have had so many different visions for my life growing up. I wasn't, I wasn't that little girl who stood in front of the mirror. It was like, I'm going to be married. I'm going to have this many kids and I'm going to be this when I grow up. It just, I always was something different every day. I was an, an actor right out of the womb. I played moms. I played teachers. I played every kind of role you can imagine on stage. And so uh, when I went to school, it was really like, what I'm going to do around marketing and business. I knew that I had that in me. And so 
I really didn't have a specific I'm going to be fill in the blank. It was just I'm going to go out there and I'm going to take the world by storm. Let's see what it ends up being. So what was your first career right out of college? Oh my goodness. I worked at Macy's, so retail, and I ran multi-million dollar, get this, cosmetic departments. Wow. That is what I did. <laughs> and you know what's so interesting about the cosmetics world is it is the, the first department I was co-manager of had a hundred women. Managing a hundred women. Now, my boss at the time, her name was Lida. She was amazing. She is one of my top three favorite bosses of all time. And really because she was so empowering. It was like, you want to try that? Let's try it. Like it was always like creative juices were able to flow there. Uh, but it was also learning how to work with other women and manage other women and lead other women and that was really interesting, especially as a 23 and 24-year-old managing people who were 40, 50, 60 years old. And, you know, at that time, it was double my age. And so it was like managing my mom, right? Right. So that, that was a really interesting, and I was, I'm very grateful for that. Like, I'm, I didn't want to stay in retail forever. I knew always having to choose between family and work on Christmas Eve was a drag and so it was fine when I was in my 20s but after that I was like no I, I need more family time so what was the next step for you <laughs> this is what's interesting the very next step out of uh, managing cosmetics departments was executive recruiting I I was down in LA and I was managing the West LA Macy's cosmetics and that store closed and so I came back home and came back home to the Silicon Valley and just was like what do I want to do next and so I called a friend who had done some temp work and she was like oh my gosh I have the perfect job for you and so like two days later I started at an executive search firm and I was in a, a junior recruiter which basically meant I was on the phone all day long saying, hi, this is Deborah from XYZ Company. I'd love to talk to you about an amazing opportunity. That may be a perfect fit for you or someone you know. <laughs> I mean, that's, you still know the script. <laughs> I, I do. And, you know, what was awesome about that time is I was, I was, well, again, I was working with people who were, you know, 55 and up. And so, technology was so foreign to them. They did most of them had barely had an email address. They didn't use the internet. I actually built their first website. I actually built it in all things in Microsoft Publisher and translated it into HTML. Mm. I mean, it was such a crazy time. And so I really learned the ins and outs of doing executive recruiting in specifically back then it was in pharmaceuticals and biotech. And did that for a while and then moved over to Cisco Systems in San Jose, you know, tiny little startup company down there. And, right, uh, right. That, that was a spectacular experience. I worked in their enterprise line of business and I got to see John Chambers speak and, and work with some amazing talent in the Silicon Valley. And then, as I mentioned earlier, in 2000, end of 2001 is when it crashed and <laughs> well, pretty much recruiting died. So uh, I left uh, Cisco and my then fiance, now husband, uh, stayed on for another about six months at Cisco. And then he was recruited by his past boss to Microsoft, which is what brought us to Seattle.
Okay, so now that gets us up to the Pacific Northwest, and you're, yeah, your husband's going to be with Microsoft, which somehow they don't crash; they weather all that stuff, which is good good for you and your your husband. But how do you uh, end up at working at a Coldwell Banker up there? I think you ended up with Coldwell Banker Bain. Um, what attracted yes. you to that company? Oh, this is you'll love this story, Val. It's one of my favorites to tell, actually. So we had two visits up to the Pac Northwest during the recruiting and relocation process. So the first time uh, our real estate agent picked us up in a Land Rover, he's wearing this slick leather jacket and a latte in his hand from Starbucks. By the way, he didn't have any Starbucks for us, which like now that I think back, I'm like, boo-hoo, he should have done that. Uh, but so he drove us around and I was like, oh, this is a really interesting job, you know? Hmm. And I didn't think anything of it, but then we came back up for our second trip, and actually, my uh, my husband Andrew's boss from uh, way back in Cisco days was like, "Hey, you know, you'd be really great at real estate. Have you thought about that? Let me connect you to my real estate agent, who also happened to be a Cobalt Banker Bain agent." And so I set up time with Sherry, and she was like, "Oh yes, you love it here. Let me get you connected." And you know how that works. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. So it was like. Oh yeah, you you know job shadow here. Let me share you some information. And and seriously, like two weeks later, I was sitting in the office helping agents with our marketing, which was a huge passion of mine. And of course, I I knew how to use a computer. I had my own laptop, which in you know 2002 was even a new space for a lot of real estate agents. They were still using the resource room. Uh, you know, desktops. Right. And so I quickly gained like 12 agents, did marketing for 12 agents while I was planning my wedding and getting uh, my real estate license. And that was a blast. I mean, that was, I learned really quickly about other agents. I did a ton of work on, you know, working with title companies and understanding how they, how they would figure out how to pull mailing lists for certain agents. And it was, I kind of got to see the, the behind the scenes before I actually even jumped into being an agent. So that was really, that was exciting. Um, so once I got my license, I'm sitting in Fast Start with Ron Sparks, who was a sales trainer at that time. And I'm taking this class and I, I'm, I, okay, I haven't sold any real estate yet, but I'll, and I look at this guy and I'm like, I want his job. Like, I, that's what I want to do right there. I want to train real estate agents. Like, what? what is going, how is this going through my mind? I'm sitting there thinking, okay, so you haven't sold any real estate, but now you want to train everybody. And so really it just kind of rolled into, I want to understand what it's like to be a real estate agent because I loved the people in the room. However, I realized in probably after my 12th transaction, I'm not going to fall in love with doing the work. Okay. I'm not going to fall in love with doing it. I, I enjoyed parts of it. Parts of it were I was definitely passionate about. I loved you know client management and relationship building. I loved touring people around my town and introducing them and getting them connected. But I really was not passionate about the paperwork. I, I, I really despised the contract stuff and you kind of got to get into that <laughs> like yeah. that's a big part of what you're doing and and so I voiced my interest to the trainer I had voiced it along the way but I would say in about 2005 he was like hey I need some help with recruiting are you interested so I slowly started shifting my focus inside real estate to helping with recruiting and then that rolled into helping with new agent training 
And then that rolled into, in late 2007, early 2008, getting the, the call saying, hey, do you want to run this department? And I, I was like, of course I want to run this department. So, you know, within six, five or six years of being in real estate, sitting in that classroom saying, I want to have this guy's job, I was getting this guy's job. <laughs> it was awesome. And so in, uh, yeah, in mid-2008, I took over the recruiting and training department as the director. We called it agent development at that time. Okay. And was running solo. And then a couple of years later, that's when Linda Aaron joined my team. So let's talk about some of the programs you implemented there uh, in your new role. Oh, goodness. <sighs> Seems like a lifetime away. But, uh, you know, a lot of the new things that I brought in were around digital, digital marketing, social media. Because, of course, when I joined full on and took over the recruiting and training department, in 2008, <laughs> we all remember what happened in 2008. We, we, it went, you know. Yeah, we'll just call it, we'll call it the dark days and move on. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and you know, when I had started in the role, we had seven, eight, nine hundred people a month getting their real estate license mm -hmm. in our area. I mean, hundreds and hundreds for just from one school. One school that we worked with was getting that many. And Overnight, it went to like seven people. Yeah. And six people, sometimes no people. And so I looked to social media because at the time, my amazing assistant, who I'm sure she's going to listen to this, so Blair, thank you so much. She says to me, hey, you know what? You should take a look at Facebook for for yourself. Because at that point, it was just college, right? They weren't, it wasn't really mainstream yet. And I'm like, oh, what's that? Right. <laughs> Tell me more. And so I quickly fell in love with Facebook and I was like, oh, this is so great. This is going to be an amazing, amazing way for us to attract people and to retain our current agents. So I'd say that the biggest, the biggest project that I worked on over the last four years in, you know, leading that agent development, that recruiting training, retention, and ultimately social media was helping agents and brokers understand how to utilize social media in their business, how how to do it well, not right, but how to do it well, and what worked really well for them. And so we did a lot of agent work during that time, but we also did a lot of, of broker and leader work, helping them understand, you know, how to bring their agents together and how to have groups and lists so that they could care for their their agents and, and keep up to date with what was happening with them. Because as most brokers out there are experiencing, their offices are really quiet. And no, you know, it's not, there's not a hundred people hanging out in the office with 20 people having a cup of coffee at the same time talking about their day. That's happening on Facebook. So teaching them how to do that was a big one. Linda and I actually co-wrote a, a workshop and taught a workshop called DYDP, <laughs> Design Your Digital Plan. And we traveled all over um, to, we had 30, 30 plus offices at the time. So we traveled regionally and did that workshop. That was something that I was super proud of. And then a lot of things around using photography, how to do better photography. Again, most everything we had to do some, with electronics, uh, you know, digital, electronics, kind of like next generation marketing. Because, you know, uh, in a company like Cobalt Banker Bain, which is the number one affiliate for Cobalt Banker, 
my leadership, my brokers, they, they had the law, the legal, the contract. They had all that stuff down. And so it was such a blessing for me to be able to say, okay, you guys got that? All right. We're going to go tackle this. And so it was really well-rounded for the organization. So you had that role at Cobalt Banker Bain from 2008 to about 2012. Do I have that timeline right? Yeah. So let's see. I started in corporate in 2005 as agent development. So I was really the director of the department. I took over the department in 2008. So from about 2005 to 2012 is when I was in corporate doing those roles. Okay. And then it's obvious anybody that knows you or has met you or talked to you. And for me, it's usually at an Inman event where I get to run into you. Um, there is a whole lot of entrepreneur in you and it had to be just a matter of time before you decided to strike out on your own and create V11. Um, and I'm sure just like you had mentioned with that trainer that you were thinking about that way before you made that move. Am I right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's of talk course. about that. Yeah. Sure. You know, what's interesting is that, that you mentioned Inman because where I had my epiphany when I was at the Inman Connect in New York City in 2012, I was standing at the top of 30 Rock, looking out over New York, and I, you know, I'm a believer, so I had this moment where I'm standing there and I can, I can just feel just this amazing divine presence saying, you're thinking too small. You have to get uncomfortable. You have to move on. And I'm like, no way. Like, I love my job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like I'm, there were parts of it that were frustrating and, you know, managers that were frustrating because they didn't want to change. But, but I, I loved working with Linda and Melissa and, and I loved my bosses. And I was like, I, this job is so great. I really want, and no, 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 go. You need to get uncomfortable. And I'm like, okay. So actually, what was so awesome is I, I went back and I sat with my boss at the time, who is, a, who is still a great friend and mentor to me, and I said, it's time for me to go. And he looked at me and he goes, oh, I knew this day was coming. <laughs> and honestly, we sat together and we worked out an exit strategy. And so, you know, I, we really partnered together on what that plan looked like. He actually was my first client on the other side and he connected me and supported, you know, connections with other organization leaders inside Cobalt Banker. And the first year of my business was really heavy, still serving Cobalt Banker because of that very reason. And so it was, it was a beautiful transition. It wasn't, I it wasn't like a get out of here, pack your bags. It was, I'm going to help you get where you need to go. And so that made it a lot easier to kind of step into the abyss of, okay, wait, so I have this great salary, this great job, great benefits. Now I'm going to go to, um, I'm unemployed every day again. <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, but it made it a lot easier, right? It made that, that piece so much easier. Well, that speaks volumes for, you know, the relationship you had, the relationship you built, and, and obviously how hard you worked for them, that they're right there supporting you and, and being a part of your transition. That's awesome. So that's, that's just fantastic. Let's, you know, the company's called D11. You have a very interesting, um, let's say, relationship with the number 11. Can, can you share that with some of the listeners who don't know that relationship? Sure. Sure. Uh, 11 is a very special number to me. 
<laughs> it's actually become something of a social object. And if I recall correctly, Jeff Turner and I were actually having a Twitter conversation about the number 11. And he was like, hey, it's kind of like your social object. So I think he's the first person that kind of introduced me to that term. And it totally fits because it's just, it's something people see and then they think of me. It's not my face. It's the number 11. And, you know, it's... It started out when Drew and I met, I was living in apartment 1111, and he was living in apartment 11. Uh, when we were, we were engaged on 1111, which of course was a choice that he made, right? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask him to marry me. So that was a, a chosen 1111, but they had put us in room 1111 at the hotel where we were staying. Uh, we were married on an 11th. We celebrate every 11th. You know, seeing 1111 or even a 111 or a 211 or a 411 on the clock reminds me, it reminds a lot of people in my world to stop, get present, and take whatever is going on right now to the next level. So it's, that's where the take it to 11, right? Fire it up to 11. Right. Fire me up 11. It is all around this concept of it. It's not about settling for 10 because 10 is great. It's about what's that one extra thing? What's that one extra ingredient that you can add that's going to take things to 11? I love pretty much every week, if not a few times a week, I get photos from people who have snapped, you know, their their phone at 1111 or are at parking spot 11 or room 11 at a hotel. And I actually wrote a blog post called What's Up With 11? that shares a ton of those photos because it's so it, it's so much fun to see over the years all the different things that people have associated me with when it comes to the number 11. So it's really interesting, uh, the, the concept of having a social object like that. You know, I, there's other things in my world that people think of me, like wine is a big one, right? I've got women on wine TV. I love wine. I love to learn about wine, share about wine. But nothing's really clicked like the number 11 has. And I think it's really because it's truly this beautiful, authentic thing that naturally happened. I didn't go out and say, 11's important to me. It's, Bill, it actually started out with Twitter because I was like, I can't put, I can't have Deborah Trapin as my handle. First, it's too long. And, and the phonetics of my last name, it, it's spelled Trapin, but said Trapin. And so I'd spend my whole life having to spell out Deborah Trapin. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to do Deborah 11. It's short. It's my fave number. It's going to be great. And that has ignited this entire conversation around 11. It's amazing. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's wonderful, too. It's, it's absolutely, I'm one of those people, and I see an 11, I go, oh, Deborah. It's just the, it's just the weirdest thing, but it works. It's awesome. Um, let's see. You, you started off in the real estate space heavily, I'm sure, with, with um, many of your clients. Uh, but now you're doing a lot more than just working with people in the real estate space. Can you give us a couple of the different verticals you're you're kind of working with and having success with, you know, helping people with their branding and their their process? Sure. You know, I think the interesting thing is to first say, you know, my work really is is personal development. It's okay. it's more of a, a self help as opposed to branding. Okay. Now it can be translated into branding, and that's why usually people kind of put me in that space, right? Personal brand. Although personal brand really is personal development. It's knowing who you are. And right. so 
where where that naturally fits in, first and foremost, are the people who serve the real estate space. So I tend to work with a lot of mortgage companies, title companies, and, and brokers inside those spaces because they're trying to stand out in a sea of others to attract the right real estate agents. So I'm helping agents find their clients and then helping the mortgage you know, brokers and title reps figure out, you know, how do I how do I say what I need to say without having to have, you know, 75 million words that describe what I've just said inside my marketing <laughs> because of regulation. <laughs> and you know, really just be who they are. Really truly help them get confident with who they are and then share it. So that was a natural kind of you know extension of what I was doing. But I'll tell you some of my fave spaces outside real estate are authors. Love working with authors. Wow. I'm also nonprofits. That's a space that is particularly interesting to me. Uh, a lot of the work that I do with nonprofit leaders is usually barter. So they have a connection with a company that I'm trying to get into to speak or do a workshop. And so I'll go in and, and help them just figure out what their company's core four are and, and help them shift, you know, maybe how they're messaging that on social media since that's something I know really well. Um, so that's a space that I'm super passionate about. And then the, the most recent, which has really been a joy, is network marketing. So the MLMs out there, doTERRA and LuLaRoe and, uh, you know, Isagenix, all of these, mainly women, again, 80% of MLMs are run by women. So these, it's them choosing um, this lifestyle right? It's lifestyle marketing. So them, again, being very confident in who they are and what makes them different helps them build their organization, uh, whether it's a vertical or a horizontal organization, it really does help them. So those are, those are some of my favorites. You mentioned your core four, and we're going to talk about that shortly, but let's start with the fact that you recently published your first book, Fire Up, Taking Your Life to Eleven. It sounds like these experiences you've had in all these different spaces, you know, kind of working with these different people definitely helps you um, come up with the, the plan and the idea of this book. And it's, I'm always fascinated by authors, much like you are. Take us through that process of, of you know, from the, the first thoughts of writing a book to the completion and, and how that went. This is, was an interesting ride, and it still is, because I'm actually working on the version two of the book now that it's been out for a while for you know for a year here and and I'll tell you why you know when I when I decided to write the book it was to support my talks and workshops in general I needed a way to clarify what my message was in a sea of other speakers inside real estate because Honestly, being a, in a social media influencer and being an ambassador at 30 events for Inman and doing all of that stuff that was very social media focused, that had its perks, but it was also hard for people to understand I was not a social media consultant. I didn't train people on Facebook. And, and so I used the book to help clarify that message. And it helps others understand when I talk about levering, leveraging social, that it's from a 10,000 or an 11,000 foot level, 
right? You know, the people, people like our friend Katie Lance, she's got the social media training in the space. Like that is her niche and she rocks it out with her Get Social Smart Academy and she helps people understand the ins and outs of social media. That is where I, and I was getting confused with that, right? And so I, when I set out to write the book, it was, let me get that, let me get it out there. And what was so beautiful about the process is not only did it help clarify for other people what my message was, but it helped me clarify what my message was. And it, I immediately became so much more connected to my message. I became more connected to my content. I became really much more connected to my talks. So even people who saw me give a, a fire up talk in 2013, who saw me this year, every single time they're like, oh my God, like you were great back then, but wow, like what happened? And it's, it's because I, I'm so, I'm in my material now. Like it is part of me. And it also allowed me to truly embrace that I'm not a social media consultant. I'm actually not a consultant at all. I'm here to help people define and design their best self so that they can go out and attract ideal clients, that they can you know, build that life and business that they love, they can get that next career, they can you know, gain the courage and the confidence to start their own business. It's not about a specific industry, it's, it is about the person. And it was so incredible that writing the book is what got me there. It, it made me confident enough to say, yeah, that is, I, that is what I do. That is what my purpose is. That is why I am here. And so the, the process really was quick for me. I, I realized right away that I wasn't going to be able to do it on my, my own. So I hired an editor, which I highly recommend. And there are all types of editors now. There's people who will hold your hand. They're, the gal that I used was great. She said, you know, what do you want at the end? Uh, you know, I kind of walked her through, you know, I wanted to have 11 chapters, of course. <laughs> and, you know, she said, okay, so here's where you start. Write out, you know, write your outline. And then, you know, here I'm going to put you on a schedule on what's due and when. And for me, it was like once I saw the schedule, I basically start to finish wrote that book in less than three months because it, it just flowed. It just like it poured out really. And it was because I had that guidance and that guideline and for somebody cracking the whip saying, this is due, this is due. And so what started out in, I think May, no March of that year, me sitting at a women's conference saying, okay, my BHAG is to write this book to finally get this done to December 19th, turning in my final draft and edits to my editor. I was like, oh my gosh, I just did this. Did this just happen? Did this just happen? <laughs> and it, you know, it's once you put your mind to something and you write it down and you find somebody to keep helps to keep you accountable, it can happen. It's not rocket science. It does. It flows. Well, that applies in so many other places other than writing a book. That's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. Let's let's give the listeners a little bit of a, a, a peek at uh, one of I think of the most important parts of the book, and that's you know, the core four, you talk about the importance of this core four. Is there, could you give us a little, that 30 second or well, obviously as much as you need that elevator pitch for how important that is? 
Yeah, you know, let me first explain what the core four is. Mm -hmm. So when when I went through the when I was writing the book and writing basically taking past workshops and keynotes that I'd done and kind of saying, what are the elements of these I want to want to use the most of? That's these four elements are what became that core four. Mm -hmm. And the first is your values. Those are your personal values. What is your compass? What is your guide? When you define your values, you start to see where you're aligned and you're not. And the interesting thing about values, and you've seen this, Bill, with all the places that you've been and all the people you've spoken to that are leaders, is leaders, CEOs, spend millions, probably billions at this point, with consultants defining the values of their company. Right. What are our, you know, and they paint them on the walls and they put them on their business cards and on their stationery and they're everywhere on their website. But we as individuals don't go through the process. And in real estate, we are our own business. So when I'm talking, when I was talking to real estate agents, it was like, okay, well, what do you value? And they'd say, I don't know. And say, all right, well, then let's do this exercise. And so that that one element became the first of the core four. Let's get those done. The second is what I lovingly call the soul tank. <laughs> and right. this is, yeah, I, it's it's such a fun term. I love saying it, and most people kind of smile and giggle when they hear it because I think everybody visualizes it with me, right? It's this place kind of right inside you that when you're doing things that you love, when you're spending time with people that you love, when you're serving charities and organizations that you're really passionate about, you leave full. You leave like your heart's bursting, and agents tend to put themselves last or feel guilty when they do put themselves first because they're servant-hearted. And, and that's a beautiful thing. But the fear of losing a client when you're, when you're on vacation or you're taking midday to do something for yourself, like a workout or a mani-pedi or meditation or whatever it might be, that's to, to me, that's sad. And that's an unfortunate repercussion of uh, social media actually you know people saying oh I don't want to tell the world what I'm doing because what if my client sees that and they fire me it's like well I think you maybe have the wrong clients if your clients don't think that you're worthy of taking care of yourself let's find you new clients and so that's what the soul tank process is about it's about identifying what fills you up getting more of it in your life and then sharing that online to attract others who will actually get you who share your passions and then of course we'll have no issue with you filling your soul tank with those activities. They'll actually say, Oh my gosh, can I meet you there? I'd love to, you know, hit some balls on the course or whatever it might be. They'll actually want to join you in the fill filling of your soul tank, not fire you because of it. Uh, the third is purpose. Now this one tends to people kind of go, Ooh, they, instead of leaning in, they kind of lean back because they're thinking that I'm going to get all Zen, right? But this is, Really, far too many people walk through life without uncovering what their purpose is. Um, it's not a deep soul-searching activity for most people because our pur purpose is actually something that's so natural, we don't even realize we're doing it. It's usually we're thinking, oh my gosh, everyone does this or everyone has this, so it couldn't possibly be my purpose. And so taking the time to define it helps you see the successful interactions every day. And it helps when you're having, you know, quote unquote, one of those days in real estate, right? The inspector, you know, the inspection was awful. The client bought from another agent, you know, those things that happen inside real estate that are totally out of your control. You can actually slow down and say, okay, I need to find somebody who needs my purpose so that I can give it out loud and, and intentionally. 
and be productive today. And for me, you know, my purpose, I, I believe we can say our purpose in 11 words or less. So mine is simply I fire people up. People don't sit down with me. People don't have a call with me. They don't. It's, it's a natural occurrence that after they've spoken with me, they feel so energized and inspired and really ignited to go out there and do something and, and they feel prepared for it. Uh, I, we were sharing earlier about, I love motivate to activate. You know, motivating others into activation is something I'm so passionate about. Yes, I can get you ignited, but I really want it to be so that you're going out and moving a purpose. So when I have a bad day, when I hear too many no's, I'll go to Facebook and see somebody who's having a bad day. And I'll message them on a back channel and say, what can I do for you? Let's, let's hop on Google right now. Let's do it. And and they're like, what? You want to what? Yes, let's let's have a conversation. And so there, I'm able to give in sideway purpose, and they're able to receive it and reset themselves. So once you decide what your purpose is, and you uncover it, and you walk through the process, it you start to see it everywhere, and that's beautiful. And then the beauty is those first three are all kind of combined into the fourth, which is your niche or niche. Some people say niche. I say niche. The, the beauty is you can use your values and the things you're passionate about and your purpose to identify your ideal clients. And it's, I, I, I often give the example of when you look at your book of business and you walk through the process of the clients you loved most. And if you are somebody who values adventure, you like to be out and about, you enjoy relationship building, it's something that you really value, uh, your purpose is teaching, you probably are going to find that a lot of first-time homebuyers are your ideal clients. They're your favorites because you get to spend so much time with them. You get to share and teach them. It's, it's a deeper process versus those who value things like efficiency. Right. Somebody who values efficiency isn't going to love the first-time homebuyer client. They're probably going to prefer either a luxury client or an investor client who's saying, you know, I don't just, here's what I'm looking for. Like, help me find what I'm looking for. And they value their time over their money. And so you can start to really build a business that fires you up by leveraging your values, your soul tank, and your purpose. And you can also leverage it for your life goals too. It doesn't. This doesn't just have to be about business, which I think is a very important piece for most real estate professionals. Is your life isn't about your business, and and so if we can get you focused on you know really getting to the core of who you are and translating that into your business and your life, it all falls together. You start you start becoming a magnet for opportunities and to people who you truly want to spend your time with so that when your client calls, you're excited. You're not hitting the ignore button or the faking the I'm in a meeting text. <laughs> Deborah, I've had you here for over the half hour I, I asked of you, uh, of you. And so I want to wrap up with the, the same question I ask every guest. And that is, what is one piece of advice you would give an agent just getting started in the business today? Start with you first. Do the work. Identify your core four. And define what success means to you. This is important for most real estate agents. They don't go through this process 
they they look to emulate the most successful agents who are lauded for their financial success, but they don't define what success means to them. So if you start with you first and you identify your core four and what success means to you, you are going to be leaps and bounds ahead. Add to that a mentor in systems, somebody to shadow, and someone who's going to ignite you, you are going to be set because here's the thing, starting with you is important. It takes a village with a strong, confident leader to build a successful business. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who are exactly 180 degrees from what you just said <laughs> as, as I've traveled through the world of real estate. That's awesome. Um, if someone wants to reach out to you, get some more information about you, maybe find your book, how can they do that? Well, the first place to start is DebraTraken.com. D-E-B-R-A-T-R-A-P-P-E-N.com. Uh, that's got all of my social channels. If you don't want to type that in, you can pretty much go to Google and type Deborah11, Deborah11, and you're going to find me. Just look for the red hair, and <laughs> you will you lead yourself right to me. Deborah, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day today to, to share it with us here on the Real Estate Sessions podcast. I'm, I'm so excited that I finally got you on here and I was able to hear your story, which is amazing. And, uh, and the things you're doing in the business are just fantastic. So thank you for everything you do. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. It was an honor to chat with you, Bill. You've been listening to the Real Estate Sessions with Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about the Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.